everyone! As you may have noticed, this episode was posted on an off week. That's because this is a special episode that is geared more towards high school students, so if you typically listen along with younger kids, a heads up that they may find this episode a bit difficult to follow. That being said, we're posting this special episode in order to highlight our Atlas Summer Academy program. Run by Supernova at Dalhousie University, Galaxia, and Dalhousie Space Systems Lab, Atlas Summer Academy is a free, two-week space engineering program for high school students in Atlantic Canada. The best part is that it's entirely free, including travel costs. So if you are interested in engineering, are going into high school in the fall, or know somebody who is, and live in Atlantic Canada, we really encourage you to apply. You can find more info by clicking on the Academy tab at atlascubesat.ca, and I will also put links to everything you would need to apply in the episode description. And now, on with the show. So hello everybody and welcome to What Do Scientists Do? Today I'm joined by a very special guest. Um, could you give us your name and your pronouns please? Oh yeah, it's uh, my name is Arad and it's he and him. Cool. And Arad, what kind of science field do you work in? I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, recently started doing my master's in mechanical engineering actually, but uh, I focus on a lot of the space systems, specifically electronics in space. So not a lot of like the, the rocketry stuff or big loud things. It's more about how do we make electronics work in space? Because they're very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult environment for electronics to work in. And maybe we can talk about it a bit. But yeah, my focus is more like how do we make electronics live longer in space? That's super cool. Do you have any examples of projects that you've worked on? Yeah. So. For Galaxia right now, um, what we started doing was we we started making computers that work onboard satellites. And as I said, um, let me give you a bit of a background. Like, what are the problems in in space with electronics and everything? So as soon as you kind of leave the atmosphere of Earth, um, you start seeing a lot of things that we are not used to on Earth. Most importantly is there's a lot of radiation in space. So we have a lot of supernovas happening, a lot of cosmic rays, the sun itself has a lot of harmful radiation that we are kind of um, guarded and shielded by when um, the atmosphere of the Earth and the actual the physics of the Earth itself. So when you know the sun goes behind the Earth, we are kind of protected by that. Um, and on top of that, when you kind of leave the atmosphere, then there are big temperature swings. So if you have something up in the space and it's kind of looking at the sun, it can quickly go up in temperature. And when it's not seeing the sun, it can rapidly go down in temperature. So we're talking about like, you know, minus 100 degrees to plus 150 degrees type of things, depending on the type of material. So when you combine all of these things together, uh, it could be very harmful for satellites or for electronics. So what we started to do was looking at a lot of computers that are working here on Earth and find ways that we can bring them to space. And uh, that's where we did. Uh, so we started making two different types of computers, and they are very capable of running fast processes. They do a lot of powerful computing, so they have a lot of application in artificial intelligence. And on top of that, we are making different types of like communication system for satellites, uh, electrical power systems for satellites. And these are, again, kind of smaller satellites that go around the Earth, what it's called the low Earth orbit or LEO, 
which is about like 500 kilometers to about a thousand kilometers up. So these are less harsher environments, but still very harsh. So that's basically our focus. That's what we do at Galaxia. That's super cool. So you come up with engineering solutions for really harsh space conditions. Yeah, exactly. And um, again, the most important focus is how do we make these electronics that are made to work on Earth and how do we turn them to, into, into pieces of equipment that work in that, again, lesser harsh environment of low Earth orbit? Because once you kind of leave that and you go beyond that, you go into deep space, you go to diff different planets. So you're talking about a whole bunch of different types of issues and a lot, lot harsher environments. And you know, there are computers that are designed to go on Mars rover and like a computer could cost about like $300,000 for just a very small piece of computer. But what we are doing is really focusing on, again, that lower Earth orbit and trying to support that field, that industry that is growing really fast by making it less expensive to do more in space. And again, um, hence the type of computers that we are working with that enables artificial intelligence. That's a very difficult thing to do right now in space because, again, some of the limitations. Yeah, that's really cool. What kinds of roles do those low Earth orbit satellites play? What would they be used for? They are um, they're used for everything. Um, so most common uh, usage of those satellites are um, Earth observation or EO. So that's basically those are the type of satellites that um, have some sort of a sensor on them. So it could be a very high resolution camera or it could be um, some infrared camera. So you can see different things from the surface of the Earth. So if you go on Google map, for instance, you zoom in, you can actually see the satellite imagery and then you keep zooming in. You can also at this point, like I was looking on Halifax the other day, blew my mind. You could actually tell the model of the car. It's like the resolution is so high that you know, you can do these things. So these are these are typical Earth observation satellites. But um, now we're seeing a lot of uh, IoT application, which is Internet of Things. So, you know, you can track container ships around the world. But it's very difficult in some of those remote areas to have communication links. For example, in the middle of the ocean, you don't have any cell towers. There are no Internet connections. Or when you're talking about different poles, top of the mountains, these are the places that typically we don't have any sort of communication networks. Um, so that's where satellite become a very appealing solution for a lot of these um, problems that we are having. So that's another example of the kind of low Earth orbit. And also the other one is telecommunication. So there are a lot of companies that, um, I mean, most recent ones are OneWeb, Starlink. These are the internet constellations that are coming in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's becoming very, very popular um, as uh, the cost of launching satellites are decreasing, as the cost of manufacturing of satellites are decreasing. And that's, again, going back to what we are trying to do, reducing the cost of manufacturing. And it's really enabling people to do really cool things. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to have a big impact on all those like everyday applications of satellites rather than the stuff that's like the really expensive stuff that only like government space agencies would be dealing with. If anybody listening is interested in going into this field or trying out some of this stuff for themselves, um, what would you recommend for them? Um, so, you know, space is one of those fields. Everybody's interested in it. Um, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people are interested. A lot of people are fascinated by it. The issue is it's very difficult to get into. It's very expensive. So, you know, for example, if you're into 
like the aero side of aerospace, like in drones and airplanes, it's fairly easy to like, you know, get a get a helicopter or, a, you know, an RC airplane and play around with it. Um, if you're into ocean, again, ROVs are very good. But when it comes to space, there is a hard cost associated with it. So you need X amount of dollar before you can actually do something with it. So it's very difficult in that way to get into. Again, it's becoming easier and easier. But when it comes to, especially at university level, at high school level, there are a lot of interesting programs that are um, starting to evolve. One of the ones that uh, started about a few years ago uh, was the Canadian CubeSat project, which was an amazing initiative by the Canadian Space Agency. Um, so they decided that we need to do something to really encourage people to get into this field of space. So they um, came up with this grant. They gave it to 15 universities across Canada, and that really ignited, uh, I'm going to say, a generation of engineers that are going to go into that field and, you know, let a lot of students kind of imagine and make that imagination kind of happen because um, that cost that I was just talking about, that was eliminated. So that was that was amazing. And again, Dalhousie. So um, we, we started a team, Dalhousie Space Systems Lab, and um, we started working on the LORIS project, which is low orbit reconnaissance and imaging satellites. So that LORIS is Nova Scotia's first satellite that was ever built and designed in, in, in Nova Scotia. Um, it's going to be launched, hopefully, by August of 2022. And if goes on schedule, becomes the first satellite that was designed and built in Atlantic Canada. Um, so we're very proud of that. A lot of students have been working on that over the past four years. And again, Dalhousie Space Systems Lab, Loris is on Twitter and LinkedIn. I think everybody should follow it. There are a lot of new updates coming out. So that's at the university level. So again, if um, we're, we're also working with other universities as well within within Nova Scotia. So that's that's one way for university students to kind of get engaged with uh, with programs like that. We're also starting a rocketry division, so it's going to focus on jet propulsion. And what I'm hoping to do is kickstart uh, an analog uh, kind of a division. So that's kind of going to focus more on uh, rover systems and things like that. So. With that, we are hoping to encapsulate the entire uh, space engineering spectrum. So spacecraft division, which is, again, focusing on satellites, uh, launch system, which is rockets, and then rover systems. But as I was kind of working with the Dalhousie Space Systems Lab, I, I could see there are a lot of students coming in and they're so excited about it. And uh, they loved you know, being engaged and they're spending so, so, um, so much of their time on this, which is especially for engineering students. And um, they're they're taking a lot of courses, but they are just like relentless. They're putting so much of their, you know, free time into it. And um, I I could see the trend. And obviously, these you know students been at high school, and that's basically when we wanted to kind of start engaging them, so they're ready when they when they start university. That's when we started working on the Atlas uh, Atlas program, which I'm super excited about. We're actually starting that this uh, or we started last summer we are doing the phase two this summer which is going to be bigger and um and larger and we we brought in more sponsors on board we have Can canadian space agency behind it we have scale ai and lots of other corporations and organizations and schools so it's an amazing program and um yeah hopefully we, we get to talk about that as well that's uh, sorry but that's kind of like uh what i see the spectrum of uh Hopefully, students and people who are interested, at least at the academia side, can kind of get involved with the with this type of industry. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot more opportunities than there used to be, definitely, for 
because if you want, there are lots of projects that you're right, you can work on at home for like general engineering or electrical or things like that. But trying to do anything with space is so expensive that you just can't try it out unless you do programs like this. So that's super cool. Um, yes, we can talk about Atlas because Atlas is something that Galaxia, where you are, is working on. And it's a thing that Supernova is helping out with. So it is a program for high school students in Atlantic Canada. And what will those students get to do at the Atlas program? So, yeah, um, I think Galaxia with Supernova kind of working on Atlas was a very interesting partnership because uh, Supernova has a very interesting background and lots of experience in designing um, educational programs. And uh, on Galaxia side, we have a lot of uh, technical expertise. Um, so I think that created a very interesting uh, Supernova, if you will. So the, the way the program is designed is very interesting. So we wanted to make sure that this is a hands-on, legitimate, um, training program so we wanted to make sure the students coming in they get absolute exposure to what space engineering is how do you conceptualize the satellite how do you go through design phases and how do you actually start putting things together obviously it's almost impossible to do an actual thing over two weeks but we try to cram as much as we can to kind of touch and spectrum of um, what is called a, um, a satellite life cycle at the beginning, it, there is a, I'm actually, I'm very excited about it. I love teaching and I especially love teaching the Atlas. So I'll, I'll be teaching the theoretical courses. And when I'm talking theoretical, it's very important. This is a math reduce theory. So we're gonna talk about a lot of the, a lot of the actual applications of it, how things gonna work, um, what are the pros, what are the cons? We're gonna use examples, case studies of like current satellites in a space. Um, and uh, again, I'm super excited about it and then, it has a lot of hands-on components to it. So the students actually get to um, you know, go through what it's like to actually do, let's say soldering for space um, components, because it's a completely different ball game. And what type of uh, precautions do you need to take to get those things done? And when it comes to mechanical, we need to like design things differently. What type of materials do you use in space? And again, this is a very applied approach to it. So if you're not going to talk about we did talk about a lot of the sensors and probes and stuff that went into space. And we talk about how amazing the engineering behind it is. But what we try to focus on is the things that are a bit more in, in reach. So again, talking about low Earth orbit satellites and how do we kind of go about designing them, engineering them, supporting them, and troubleshooting them when they're in space. So yeah, there, is, there are a lot of hands-on components to it. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure the student's going to have a fantastic time last year it was amazing i just loved talking with the students because we used to have these like sessions in the morning and then i got to like, kind of hang out with them and talk afterwards and they always come and they ask so many questions and you could you could tell they're like so much uh really into it um so i was very happy about that and i'm very much looking forward to it and at the end of the whole thing the, the part that i really like is we actually um splitting the, the class into like small groups and then they actually have to design it. Well, it's a design of a satellite um, and they have to do a presentation. So it's like a very interesting group projects. I think the students loved it last year and then they have to do a presentation on it. And to be honest, when I sat through that presentation, it, um, it was just heartwarming to kind of see day one students come in and they're asking a lot of like, you know, questions because they're eager to learn and then Fast forward two weeks later, they're standing in front of the class and they are dissecting an entire satellite. They're talking about bus and 
how RF interference works and uh, what type of aluminum they use for chassis. And it's just like it blew my mind. So that was the most rewarding moment of the whole thing for me. Yeah, it's such a cool program. So for anybody listening, if you're interested in applying to the Atlas program, because you do have to apply, um, this summer there will be two cohorts of students, which is super exciting. So there will be two different two-week um, groups of students who get to come in. It's open to any high school students in Atlantic Canada. If you're not from the Halifax area, there will be ways to have travel covered for you. It is fully funded. So it's genuinely open to any high school students in Atlantic Canada, which is one of my favorite things about it, because there's so many things that happen in Halifax and maybe that the rest of Atlantic Canada wouldn't have as much access to just because Halifax is the big city. But um, anybody who's going into high school in September can apply to Atlas. That's very fun. Yeah, one thing I kind of want to emphasize on that, uh, that was the very fact and kind of moving back from the technical and approaching it from uh, what we really tried to do with the program. And that was very important that the program would be open to anyone and everyone. And that's what I really wanted to kind of envision. And we we work with the supernova. Um, it was the very fact that if you're interested in it, you you can get in um, like after you apply, apply and stuff there. We want to make sure there are no financial barriers. So you don't have to pay for the program. Um, again, the accommodation, as you said, there is accommodation. The food is covered. We just wanted to make sure the kids who want to be in this program really want to be in this program. They can make it to this program. And if it didn't work out this summer, hopefully the summer after. You have a, I believe, uh, is it grade 9 to 12? Yes. So it's technically open to going into high school, so grade 10 to 12. But okay. we've been saying that if you're going to grade nine and you're very enthusiastic about this kind of stuff, you should still apply. Yeah. Um, the priority is going to be for high school, but you could always end up getting in the following year or if there's space, maybe this year. That's yeah. where, because our normal supernova programs only go up to grade eight, we've been mostly allowing grade nines. So it is geared towards high school. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if if you didn't get in for whatever reason, because I mean, the spots are limited. It's a very uh, popular program. We, we got filled up very quickly last year um, and uh, we didn't even have it open for the rest of Atlantic, I guess. But this semester it is open. So if you didn't get in this year, uh, try again next year. But it, the most important thing, again, to emphasize that there are no financial requirements. If if you're interested in it, everything is covered. You just come in, you learn, you enjoy it, and hopefully you 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 bring a lot back to our country after you know you finish and you become a engineer or a scientist in space sector. Yeah, and there are no like prerequisite courses or anything. Especially if you're going into grade ten, you you might be like, I don't, I haven't taken physics yet, I haven't taken math yet. That's fine. There's no prerequisites for it. So if it's something that you're super enthusiastic about, um, by the time this podcast episode is posted, you should be able to apply and I will post the links along with this episode and all of that. And Atlantic Canada means if you're in Newfoundland and Labrador, PEI, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, students from all those provinces should be eligible to apply. So aside from Atlas, which is a very cool joint program that's happening this summer, do you have um, a favorite thing that you've ever gotten to do in engineering? When I was in engineering, um, I ended up doing a few different things. Um, I started a group for one year. We kind of looked at um, renewable energies and things like that. 
and we did like a energy audit of a not not for profit or uh, housing here in Halifax. That was kind of interesting, but I always kind of wanted to do uh, this space route. But again, the problem was, you know, as I said again, that did not exist. You know, there was no Atlas program, there was no Loris mission. So uh, in 2017, uh, I started Dalhousie Space Systems Lab. Back then, there were a few of my classmates. I pitched the idea. I was like, we should do this. And um, they were all on board. And, you know, we put the team together. It was like six of us back then. Um, but we had no money. Um, so we started kind of like looking for some sponsors. And again, like everybody you talk to, they're like, oh, you're building a, a satellite in Halifax. You're doing a Nova Scotia. That's not going to work. So didn't really... Have, didn't have a lot of luck with that, unfortunately, because the the views were just um, just negative, and that's just not going to work, you know. But we kind of like kept on going, and again, a huge thanks to again a shout out to the Canadian Space Agency again for the the CCP, and then that came out, and now we suddenly ended up with uh, with a big grant that supported a lot of master's students actually doing big research that were published out of Dalhousie University and um, paid for design and manufacturing of the satellite and the launch was paid. So I would say by far Loris is probably one of the most exciting things that um, I've done over the engineering course. So I was involved with that. We got a lot of students kind of joining Loris through their program. I think about, I would say very close to 200 students since the start of it uh, went through and uh, um, you know, as I said, like we, we are starting to approach our launch phase so you can actually see the satellite. And over the past four years, we have gone through a massive revolution of what space used to mean in Halifax or in Nova Scotia, in Atlantic Canada. And now, you know, PI has its program, uh, UPI, um, UNB has it and MON has it. So they're kind of like doing their own satellite teams as well. We, we work with them. We are in communication. So a lot has changed. And, you know, like Galaxia. Um, obviously, I, I would say there was a big component of that that um, CCP had with it. And then after that, I decided to start Galaxia. I was more firm about it. And my motto was that space is going to happen in Nova Scotia. So we started it and, you know, we're thankfully growing. Um, we have seven employees now and working with international companies, uh, commercializing our product, as I said, our computers and EPS systems. And we are doing some exciting stuff that we, we hope to unveil very soon. But yeah, we, you know, things, things have definitely changed and Atlas is another one. So when I take a snapshot right now and kind of go back, back in 2016 and look at it, I think the landscape is absolutely different. So I'm so happy for everyone who's interested in the field. You, you, you're going to have a you're going to have a good time. Yeah. So if you're interested in going into the space industry and you are living in Atlantic Canada or want to live in Atlantic Canada, it's very different from even just six years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, how fast all of that happened. Yeah. And Maritime Launch Services is kind of working on their launch uh, spaceport as well. That's super exciting. And uh, you know, the, the ecosystem is growing and again, we can see different things. Hopefully they're up and running soon and becomes, I don't know if some people might not know, Canada does not have launch capabilities. So we cannot launch satellites out of Canada, which is a big problem. Imagine like if uh, we couldn't launch boats into the water from Canada. And if you wanted to put a boat in water, you had to go through other countries to do it. So strategically, that's, um, you know, we are in a vulnerable position in that way. So we are seeing a lot of interesting things happening. So, um, yeah, the 
the landscape is changing for sure. Yeah, that'd be super cool if the main place to launch satellites in Canada was Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, of not of all places, because now there's lots of cool stuff happening here. Um, and I'm sure, actually, you might know this. I'm sure. How hard is it to find launch locations on the it planet? Is, very is it? It's very difficult. So yeah, in that way, we're we're lucky. Uh, I mean, first of all, a lot of rockets. Um, even like the ones that come back, like the SpaceX's, they have very high risk. So nobody wants to launch them over, you know, land because if your return system does not work, you don't want that launch to that vehicle to fall somewhere. So that's why you always launch over ocean. Um, and, you know, there, there's zero risk to that. Um, so it's very difficult to find launch locations. And also it depends like, so when you're launching a satellite, there are these obvious orbits that go around Earth. And we will talk about that at Atlas, uh, if you're at Atlas. Um, depending on the type of orbit that you go in, so you have polar orbit that the satellite goes from North Pole to South Pole and it just circles. And then you can keep tilting it down almost very close to the equator. So those are the orbit inclinations. And depending what type of inclinations you're going with, then your launch kind of changes as well. Uh, so yeah, okay. it's, it's very difficult to find those. Uh, and there are only a handful of places that uh, people can do that stuff easily. Cool. But luckily, Nova Scotia happens to be one of them, so that's cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Arad. It was very fun chatting with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay, well, thank you for having me, Jessica. It was really fun chatting with you, like always. Um, yeah, and again, I hope that uh, we, will, we will see a lot of you guys at Atlas and a lot of, uh, if you're ended up in engineering or science or anywhere at Dell, Dalhousie Space Systems Lab. And thank you so much. Keep looking up. Space is beautiful. Um, and I will be posting all the links to the Atlas stuff, as well as any resources that could be useful for you, along with this episode and all over um, the podcast social media, which is at Scientist Dupod, as well as the Atlas social media, which is at Atlas CubeSat. A big thank you to Arad, and as always, a big thank you to everybody listening. We will be back with our regular episode schedule next week. Bye for now! This podcast was made by Supernova, a network member of Actua. For more information on our summer camps, workshops, and more, Go to supernova.dal.ca.